Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 352 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we took a deep dive into the simple art of note-taking and whether there might be ways for us to improve our own use of notes with processes and technologies. It's a notable episode, to be sure. Sorry about that. In this episode, we wanted to take a different perspective on generative AI hype. Has AI made all the technologies that were so hot a year or so ago simply disappear? Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be trying to discover and analyze what happened to all the hot technologies Dennis said we needed to pay attention to before ChatGPT captured all the legal tech or really technology oxygen. In our second segment, we're going to ask the question, has legal tech podcasting completely turned into only interviewing AI vendors? And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. First up, we wanted to try and discover and think about where all the technologies that seem to be so hot just a year ago have disappeared to after the onslaught of AI hype that seems to have sucked all the oxygen out of the conversation of technology in the legal space. And frankly, the general technology space as well. I know one of our favorite tropes in legal tech is people generating attention by declaring a technology dead. I don't think that we're going to say that any of these are dead, but if you judge relevance by how much you're seeing it online, it feels like a lot of these topics that I'm about to bring up anyway are on life support. Uh, but surely that can't be true. And so I wanted to ask that question and see if Dennis felt the same way that I did. So Dennis, what do you think? Has generative AI literally killed off all the pre-existing technologies in law or otherwise? Or does it just seem that way? Is it just my imagination? Breaking news. It's also killed off the billable hour. So maybe that's a good place for Not yet. No, it has no, not. No, it really has. Not I, yet. I, I was just reading this today. Uh -huh. The billable hour has officially been killed off yeah, by, uh, by AI. Hilarious. So I was thinking, Tom, that our episode a while back on the Gardner hype cycle is is becoming one of my favorite episodes, and I think one of yours as well, because uh, there's never been anything like the hype cycle with generative AI in the the legal the legal tech world, and I guess that's what, when we talk about sucking the oxygen out of the the room, that's sort of what what I feel like we're in this just outrageously big hype cycle. Um, and there are important things happening, but um, it's hard to get a good handle on it. And we're in this kind of legal tech echo chamber about uh, AI. And the best way to get clicks and audience and, you know, potentially advertising revenue is to talk about generative AI. So that's all we hear about, even though I think that 
much of the tech world and the things we talked about a year or so ago are still kind of marching, marching forward, but certainly with much less attention. So I'm going to disagree with that shortly. But what I'm going to say first is I saw a quote from somebody that I read occasionally where he described AI as what he called marketing gas. And I was like, what does that mean? What? And so guess what? I asked ChatGPT, what does the phrase AI as marketing gas mean? And it gave me a very well-considered three paragraph thing that said, uh, it's a bit slangy and can be interpreted in a few ways depending on the context. Either one, it might imply that the potential and capabilities of artificial intelligence are often exaggerated or hyped up in marketing and media. Okay, I get that. Or two, alternatively, it could mean that AI is a powerful tool for marketing efforts, which is sort of the clickbait that you were talking about. You know, the best way to get uh, likes and clicks and people to, and eyeballs to look at things is to use AI or, or chatbot. Number three was misleading or empty promises. It might also be a critical statement suggesting that AI and marketing is full of hot air or empty promises. I sort of like all three of them, um, but I think that it that quote sort of sums up for me what's going on right now with AI is whether you take any one of those three explanations, I think they could all legitimately describe kind of what's going on right now with how it's being considered is that it seems to be the only thing to think about, the only thing to talk about, uh, the only thing worth considering. And I think there have been several casualties. And I, like I said, I don't think they're dead, but I don't like their chances very much at all. Well, and I think that, you know, all three of the, the above is the right answer. And I think if we went back to the, the original days of the internet, we would probably find somebody saying the internet is just marketing gas. So it's always been good for clicks and audiences. And I think that, you know, that's a good way to think about it. You know, what we're hearing about generative AI is kind of what's in it for the person who's who's talking the most about it. But to, to go to what the question you raised is what happened to, you know, contract lifecycle management, blockchain, NFTs, all these other things we were talking about. And are they, are they still around and are people actually using them? So let me turn it over to you, Tom, and, and let you uh, give your thoughts on that. And maybe we'll talk through some of them and see whether what they're being used for, if anything, or whether they've just been thrown in the trash can. So let's cover these. Maybe I'll throw these out and then we'll talk about them separately. So instead of giving you the whole list, let me kind of throw these out in, in three different groups, three different things that I think uh, have fallen by the wayside to a certain extent. Let's bring up the one that I think is probably least a victim of AI and more a victim of its own sinking under its own weight. And that is maybe not so much the blockchain, but cryptocurrency in general. I think that those who supported and or promoted cryptocurrency have largely, with all of the scandals lately happening, I think that they've dealt kind of and not even to mention the fact that uh, cryptocurrency seems to be the currency of choice for 
scammers and ransomware artists and people of ill repute, I feel sort of like it's not as well-regarded as it was before. I hardly hear about crypto in a positive way these days. And I, am, I, I think that it's unfair to say that crypto taints the blockchain because I think the blockchain still has benefits to it. But um, I never hear about the blockchain anymore. I never hear that things are happening. I, you know, we, we talked about smart contracts and we're all, all our contracts are going to be on the blockchain after a while. And we talked about all that just a couple of years ago and you hear nothing about that now. Is that just me? I don't hear it. And it feels like a, although it's not gone, it's really not that important to people. Well, it certainly doesn't get the same level of click right that that AI does and people do tend to conflate cryptocurrency and blockchain and so I think it's important to you know to separate those things and you know with with crypto right there's been a whole bunch of scandals and fraud and other things um, and you know people question the uses of although Frankly, $100 bills are used for some of the same nefarious purposes. So cash clearly has its own issues and fraud can happen in any number of settings. So I think the crypto is sort of its own space. I don't know how much it was ever part of the legal world other than than paying ransomware and a few people experimenting with crypto for payments. You know, it's it's, uh, its own field, sort of, and it has value. And if you look, some of the cryptocurrencies have actually gone up recently. So there's still plenty of interest there. Blockchain, I think it's, it's really fashionable, I think, in the legal tech world to say, blockchain it never came to anything it was meaningless like it's it's just this big joke but uh, it's being used for practical purposes in supply chain in identity and in other things on a, on a regular basis and it solves some real world problems you know not the least of which is the basis for for nfts and digital art and other things like that which you know went through their hype cycle and then have dropped down so, but and i think in both cases if we look at the hype cycle notion say it went up it went down and now it's kind of in this moving toward this plateau where it has this usefulness it's just like way way below the level of the original hype Okay. All right. I agree. I feel the same way. Um, all right. Next next area that I think, frankly, has, in my opinion, has, has sunk even lower than blockchain or cryptocurrency, and that is Web3 and NFTs. I never hear about Web3 anymore. I don't hear about the next coming of the internet. It's really not a thing anymore. I had not heard about NFTs in a long time, but yesterday I saw an article talking about Disney is getting ready to offer some digital tokens, some NFTs based on Disney characters. And the whole article was just couched in ridicule, which is, have you not seen what's happened to NFTs lately? And yet, Disney, what do you think you're doing? You are incredibly out of touch. So that reading that article was all I needed to really see to understand that NFTs are not really in favor uh, to the extent that they ever were. They were a hot thing at one point in time. I don't see either of these uh, making any headway in the technology field anytime soon. So this to me is a lot about critical thinking. So obviously you get clicks if you say, oh my God, Disney, the entertainment company that's you know possibly the most successful internet 
uh, entertainment company of all time are has just turned into idiots and they don't know what they're doing at all. So I would say what's happening that's where it's interesting in the NFTs in the Web3 space is in gaming and sort of digital commodities, uh, digital products, uh, other things in the gaming world um, and the online world. And then we see Web3 in in some of the, uh, the Twitter alternatives and other spaces. And again, this stuff uh, where I think the issue of why they start to disappear is they, they really are these sort of platform technologies and their infrastructure. And so they're harder for people to understand. And then as they become part of the ecosystem, they're just less noticed. So I think they're still around. I think there's an enormous potential, you know, with the NFTs on in digital products, especially, and we've talked about this, I think, on the podcast, Tom, in these online gaming worlds, which you are more part of than I am, but the audience and the membership in those those online gaming communities is unbelievably large. Well, it's not getting a lot of coverage. That's the whole difference is there's no coverage. We're not seeing anything. But and I don't really I reject the argument that it's all about clicks because there are legitimate news sources that aren't as concerned about the clicks that aren't talking about these types of things. All right, number three, and this one I would argue really hasn't sunk below or along with some of the others, but I would say that its importance has tarnished somewhat, and that is the metaverse. I would say it's still trying to have a relevance. You know, Meta uh, released its new Quest 3. Is it the Quest 3 that they introduced? The new VR goggles. Um, There are still VR goggles being produced. There are still uh, lots of discussions about the metaverse. And uh, and frankly, in today, as we're recording today, Microsoft at night is going on. And uh, Microsoft announced that they're actually going to make it easier for teams to meet, to have teams meetings in the metaverse. So I was, I was, I guess, surprised and relieved to see that, uh, that there is some work being done on that. So I don't know that it's dead, but I would, I would say that it's certainly, again, it, it, the, the luster of it has diminished somewhat. I don't think that it seems to be quite the excitement that something like ChatGPT would generate. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Although there's some interesting things I was talking we had lunch with a couple, and they uh, they were talking about how they use their the Quest goggles for travel, virtual travel, and how they really liked it. And so they were, uh, you know, my my wife and I's age. So I think there are some uses out there. I think it's perceived as sort of this gaming thing and the technology not quite there. I think it's a longer term play. And again, I think it's part of this sort of digital ecosystem with gaming and other things that we're going to see where it has some interest. But I think it's it's a struggling area, and probably we're waiting to see what happens with the the Apple Vision Pro when it comes out and see whether that gives a kick to this area. I think that... Although, Tom, I, I think our podcast gave a lot of great ideas of how virtual, and we've done several where you could use virtual reality in, in the legal space. I just don't think that, that, that lawyers see that or, um, you know, are willing to, to move in those directions at the moment because they're, they're super cautious. 
No, I agree. You know, I think we need to take a break here in just a minute, but I want to I want to raise kind of briefly when I think about the legal tech world, I don't know that I think as much about legal tech being completely supplanted by artificial intelligence. And as we're going to talk more in our B segment, I see instead legal tech starting to embrace it and talk about how they're incorporating even more of it, uh, you know, taking advantage of the chat GPT hype to use it. I will say, though, that... You know, there are already tools out there. You know, there are lots of contract lifecycle management tools. There are a lot of e-discovery tools that are already making good use of artificial intelligence that seem to be, uh, you know, good enough already. Why are we ignoring these types of tools? Why are we ready to move on to the next set? So I guess to the extent that they're being ignored or left behind to some extent, that's where I would usually find it in legal tech. Do you find the same thing to be true? Are there other areas that I'm not thinking about? You know, I, I think that those two examples to me are perfect. And I think this raises the big question um, in legal is why would we want to use these early stage generative AI tools with the sort of rough edges that we, we know they have for e-discovery and contract lifecycle management when there are very mature job-specific tools designed for these purposes. So if you have the ability to, you know, this is like the case where you're going like, oh my God, I have generative AI. It is the hammer and the whole world looks like a nail to me. Whereas I think there are very specific tools that work really well in these areas. And I think that my concern in the hype is we, people sort of jump away from tools that, that um, have worked well for, for a long time and where there's a lot of maturity and they use different types of AIs and other things and, you know, sort of jump to a GPT world, I, I think we could be making, as our people could be making significant mis uh, mistakes in doing that. Well, we've got more to talk about. We're going to ask a couple more questions about this, uh, but we uh, need to take a quick break. So let's take a break for a message from our sponsors. Be the best resource you can for your Spanish-speaking clients with the Spanish Group's Legal Translation Service. Experienced translators ensure accurate translation of your documents with same-day delivery. Confidentiality is ensured, and the Spanish Group guarantees acceptance for certified translations. All that and their rates are competitive. If you need other languages, the Spanish Group translates in over 140 languages. Mention Legal Talk 20 when you request your quote for 20% off your first translation. Visit thespanishgroup.org. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at InfoTrack.com simple. And we're back. Tom, I feel like we're in a time of the fog of AI, much like the concept of the fog of war. 
How in the world can people not active in the world of AI even begin to sift through all that they hear about AI these days? Well, you know, the main problem is when you t it really is a fog, there's so much out there. There are so many people competing for eyeballs on AI. It's really hard to know what's good and what's not. And I, I find that I don't understand enough about AI to know whether the stuff I'm reading is reliable. And I don't know what a, what a good or trusted source is. But that said, I think I've found some and I, I have some recommendations that I'm going to put in the show notes. I really think there's two ways to approach AI or, the, or, or, or people want to learn more and or do more with AI, there's two ways to approach it. First is learning about what it is, um, how it works, how you can work with it best. You know, Dennis has written a white paper on how to, uh, how to use it in, in one specific area. Um, you may have some recommendations here, but you know, I've, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post in the show notes a very straightforward article uh, that the Washington Post had a number of weeks ago just called How to Talk to an AI, which I thought was from a standard of basics, it was very useful to look at. I think Dennis posted this on X uh, yesterday and it's a Harvard Business Review article called How to Improve Your Company's Use of AI with a Structured Approach to Prompts. I feel like practical articles like that are good ways to understand here are some of the ways that you can make use of tools like ChatGPT. I think the second way to approach it is knowing kind of how to use it is one thing, but Keeping up with what's happening is also important uh, because it's changing so fast that who knows what's going on with all of this stuff. And this is where I have a little bit more challenge finding, you know, good materials. I will tell you our Twitter friend, uh, Marshall Kirkpatrick, has a daily newsletter that he calls AI Time to Impact. Every day he posts, I think it's the five most important AI stories of the day or the stories that he finds. I will po post the links in there. I'll tell you, some of them are so technical, I can't begin to read them, but there's a lot of interesting other articles in there that talk about what the latest things are. There's another company called deeplearning.ai, and they have a newsletter called the batch. And the batch comes out at least once a week, but it, they call it what matters in AI right now. And I find that that's a much more approachable. It's a lot of, uh, it's, a, it, it's a lot more things that you might find in a newspaper rather than in a scholarly article. But those are some of the ways, and I'll put, like I said, put them all in the show notes. Those are some of the ways that I think, you know, having good resources that you can trust on a regular basis to both learn how to use it, but also how it might be changing. So you can then adapt how you might use it or see other uses that you might have for it in the future. Yeah, Tom, I've become much more circumspect about uh, generative AI and what I say about it. So, and I like to say it's time to experiment and it's, it's not a time to pronounce and make big proclamations, even though that's what it seems like many people are many people are doing. It's difficult to find trusted sources. I think with AI, you do have to do the hands-on experimentation. I can tell you, I run into the limitations of the current GPT uh, world on a regular basis. And, and that's why I've become a lot more circumspect uh, in, in what, I, what I say and just kind of produce things as, if I write, it's a result of experiments that I've done. So I think you've, you recommended 
two really great sources on, on AI. But I think that the key here is finding good and trusted sources on those other technologies that we said we were wondering if they're dead. You know, like, so how do we know what's really happening with blockchain if in the legal tech world people just say, oh, blockchain, what a joke that is, or what a joke that was, I'm glad that's over. How do we find out what's actually happening, like you say, in the, in supply chain, in identity, in other places, so we know what's happening? And so you have to go out and, and do that work. So what I, I'm going to recommend, and, and Tom, you and I are already starting to do this, is getting out of the legal tech echo chamber. I mean, that's part of the reason we're doing our fresh voices on legal tech series. I think you have to look at adjacent professions and what they're doing. I think you have to be really good at reading critically and then finding good information sources that are diverse and cover a a wide range. So I want to give one example of something that I've done for uh, quite a while now. And so I'm, I'm part of this weekly Zoom meeting of the Innovation in Large Organizations Institute. And so it's talking about innovation in large organizations, but we talk about technologies, AI, how they're being implemented, what's real, how they work, and that. And I'm energized by those conversations every week, as are you know many people on the call uh, say they are as well. And then when I go back and I read what's written in legal tech and what AI and the, and other you know innovation in the legal world, I feel like people are talking about a completely different world, much more limited. Uh, I hesitate to use the word fantasy, but I, I sometimes think people are expecting things of technologies, especially AI, that they're just not able to do. And I think, you know, coming up with that that way to get a realistic, hard-headed uh, view of, of something that's in this extreme hype cycle is very important. And for me, it's like, Getting views from outside legal is is a is a big thing that uh, I feel you need to do. So, I mean, what else do we do, Dennis? What else do people do? Uh, you know, it's a problem that we sometimes can only access the types of of content that that we're able to see. We're not we we, we, do, we sometimes don't have a choice. Uh, we have to get what we're given, and sometimes we're given a lot more than we expect on a particular subject. So it's hard to find this other stuff. What should people be doing? I mean, what should what else should they need? What should they do? What do you recommend? Uh, and uh, let's give give the audience a few ideas, and it'll take us out of this segment. Yeah, our good friend, no longer with us, Wendy Werner, used to say that law school gives you the superpower of of being able to do research really well. So I think we, you know, so people in the the legal profession do do have that uh, ability. They also have the ability to ask hard questions. And I think that's where we're at these days. And so I just had uh, just jotted down a couple of things. So you can say, like, I'm reading something and this person was an expert on something completely different uh, less than a year ago. And now they're an AI expert and they've changed their expertise completely in less than a year. There are several people that I've seen, especially on LinkedIn, who who move from the topics that we talked about before. They move from blockchain to NFTs to metaverse 
to AI and they're turning very neatly on a dime and they have a new website and everything for all of those things that they plan to offer. So you can say, I just need to ask the questions like, so is it legit? Does it make sense? Have they kind of chronicled that path? Can I see the writing and the speaking they've done around that? Does it does it make sense? I think you need to ask, like, you know, what are people selling? Uh, what are the outcomes they have actually accomplished? You know, if, if somebody tells you, you know, that they've done hundreds or thousands of experiments with, with AI and they've generated, you know, millions of words, that actually, to me, uh, carries some weight. If they say, we have this new product we're selling and we have these amazing new features that are coming out sometime in 2024, I, I, I have some, some reservations. I also want to know, like, how they're actually using AI for themselves, especially in what they say they're selling you? And are they just saying the same things that, that people are, are talking about elsewhere that are, you know, anybody can say, you know, like uh, hallucinations, risk, you know, all these other things that you can, you can find anybody anywhere saying. Uh, and then I, I think the big thing for me is, is are they humble about what they know? in AI and these other technologies? Or do they have the supreme confidence that chat GPT is known for, whether they're right or wrong? And I think those are just the typical things that you would do, you know, with the legal background to assess, you know, whether somebody has the expertise or not. So that's what I look at. And then, I, you know, my thing, like I said, I'm pulling back on the pronouncements I make. And I'm saying, like, I'm doing experiments. And if I have results that I think I want to publish, then I will publish those as as results of experiments that people can look at and they could try and they could say I'm right or I'm wrong or whatever. But it's, you know, it's just it's just testing and testing and then not making a lot of big assumptions about what the state of the technology is and whether AI, especially this sort of general generative AI in, in what I think is, is still an early stage is going to be the be all and end all. I am sure that we will be back to revisit this topic because ChatGPT and AI is an engine that seems to have no, uh, no plans to stop anytime soon. Uh, so we'll be back to talk about this. But for now, we're going to take a break for a message from our sponsors. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. If you're like me, you're probably a bit frustrated with the state of our political system today. Democracy Decoded, a podcast by Campaign Legal Center, examines our government and discusses innovative ideas that could lead to a stronger, more transparent, accountable, and inclusive democracy. Listen at democracydecoded.org to their new season, which takes a deep dive into democracy at the state and local level by highlighting different ways to ensure that every voter's voice is heard. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Ma Report. I'm Tom Mile. 
And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Tom mentioned to me this week that every podcast episode everywhere, except for ours, uh, seems to be an interview with another AI vendor talking about their new products. I had to agree that it does feel that way. Uh, Tom, what got you thinking about this? What does it mean? And what should we all be doing about it, if anything? Well, so I fully did not expect that you would want to turn this into a B segment because it really was more of an observation. But let me see if I can expand on the observation a little bit. Um, but what and, and what got me thinking about it was just the simple fact. I subscribe to a number of legal technology podcasts. I will say it feels like it may not be true and it may not be reality, but it feels like almost every podcast I listen to is somehow about artificial intelligence or some vendor coming in to talk about their new artificial, uh, their new AI functionality. It may turn out that I'm only listening to pod, those podcasts, that there might be other legal tech podcasts out there uh, that are, are you know, taking a well-rounded look at the world of legal technology. And I realize that we here at the Kennedy Ma Report um, are running the same risk by at least talking about this subject. Um, but, you know, to add on to the subject that we had in our A segment, I am concerned that there are other parts of the legal technology world that are falling by the wayside because we focus so much on artificial intelligence. My, my frustration really is not only do I feel like the topic is being oversaturated um, in legal tech, but I find that some of the podcasts I listen to don't even get to a point where it's useful to me. I want to learn what the tool does. I want to know, know what the AI functionality happens to be. And I don't usually get that information. I get a one-sentence description, really what it is. Oftentimes, uh, you know, a lot of descriptions from vendor to vendor about what they do, they sound the same. They sound similar. And, you know, maybe they are just more sales talking points than what I would want to know as a consumer of the technology. So when I listen to it, I'm legitimately interested in knowing what types of artificial tech, you know, artificial intelligence tools are available. But I really want to know, give me a use case, give me a how this would work. And I don't see that happen very often. You know, I, I'm really kind of just uh, using this as a rant. I meant it to really be a bolt on to our A segment. But I hope that a lot of our podcasting colleagues uh, will either get guests on that talk about things in a more practical way than a salesy way, or, or that we start talking about other topics. So I feel like uh, we have a good mix of things. Dennis, is my rant completely out of line? No, but it does make me miss the old days when we used to do Tom's rant as the B, B Let's segment. bring it back. <laughs> I'm sure there's <laughs> enough to keep me going for a while. <laughs> this is one of my, my favorite things we, we ever tried. I mean, I see a lot of it. And it. I mean, the trouble is, I mean, like I heard somebody recently say they compared that what they were doing, their new AI stuff coming uh, soon, they compared it to the PC and the iPhone in terms of how revolutionary they expected it to be. Well, you know, uh, as you said, Tom, I'd rather like to know like what what it is, what it's different than, than uh, f uh, what everybody else is doing and how it will help me. You know, so what is the job to be done? Like, what is it going to do for me? And it, how much is it being driven because you have venture capital money that you have to get show a return? turn on and that AI is a big thing or how is it being useful and are we just all kind of 
creating products uh, in the same very small area and then promising what's coming in the future, which will be utterly amazing. So I would like to see more, you know, not from the vendors, but people actually like working in this space and using it because otherwise it does feel like we're getting a lot of marketing hype in the form of podcast content. But, you know, if you're doing podcasts, these people are making themselves available to do guest speaking. I mean, we get we get emails on it, Tom, from People want to be interviewed on our podcast, even though we we don't really do interviews. We don't do vendor interviews, but we still get the pitches on it. So, yep. uh, which you know, usually here's a tip to people pitching podcasts: like if you pitch a podcast for something they don't do, it shows that you don't really listen to the podcast, and it's and uh, podcasters are podcast hosts are not real receptive to that. But anyway, now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website observation. You can use the second as podcast ends. Tom, take it away. I have two parting shots, and my first one is surprise about artificial intelligence. So the past couple of weeks, I've been incredibly busy working on some legal research, which I don't get to do very often in my job, but I've been researching legal citations for um, for retention schedule, and it's an international schedule. And uh, there are many uh, terms that are being used in these countries that I don't know what they are. They're areas that I don't understand. They're business functions that I don't really totally know what they mean because they might be translated into different languages. And I've been finding, and if you've been using Google lately, Google has been incorporating either BARD or whatever into the very first result of the search terms. And so I found that as I was writing in, you know, tell me what is a, and then I would put the name of some type of business business function uh, and I'd put in India or in Malaysia or in the UK and I could see it working at the top. It was working and it came back with 95% of the time a good solid answer that gave me what I needed to know. It answered my question. Sometimes it went farther and gave more information. I dare say that Google search impressed me and felt like it was better because it was really answering things in a great way. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to go quite that far, but I will say I was very impressed with this opening, you know, introduction to putting AI results in Google search results. I was impressed with that. My second one very quickly is the uh, ABA Legal Technology Resource Center and ABA Tech Show have opened up nominations for the James Kane Memorial Award, the annual award that we give to lawyers who provide innovative services using technology, using the internet for clients of moderate income. Those nominations uh, went live today. They'll be open until December the 15th. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you uh, are someone who is delivering innovative services or if you know someone who is delivering innovative services to clients that you think would be worthy of the James Kane Award, we'd love to hear your nominations. Uh, so please click on the link and submit that nomination. Uh, again, the deadline line is December the 15th. Dennis. So I have two. So the first one is, for God's sakes, 
spend the $20 a month for chat GPT-4. I hear so many people, uh, especially lawyers, talk about the crappy results they get using chat GPT, and they're using the free version, which is 3.5. The move from 3.5 to 4 was monumental. That's what all the hype is about, is is what happened with GPT-4. And if you're unwilling to spend the $20 a month to get to GPT-4, I don't think you're serious about AI. Let me say real quick, Dennis, that your tip should be get on the waiting list to spend the $20 a month for ChatGPT-4 because just today they announced that they are shutting down registration until they can get a hold of the enormous volume of people trying to sign up for it. So they do have a waiting list. They're trying to move through the waiting list soon, but you may not be able to get on it immediately after hearing Dennis's tip on this podcast. You snooze, you lose. So I rarely use hardware for my parting shot, but I just got the coolest thing uh, lately. And this is the Odistar, O-D-I-S-T-A-R, desktop vacuum cleaner. It's this little USB device that is like a mini vacuum cleaner. So I use... uh, pencils and erasers and we all accumulate stuff on our actually the physical desktop and we try to do our best about keeping the desktop clean but it's not so easy but here's this little device that fits in your hand and you just run across your desk and it sweeps up everything off of your your desktop off your keyboard you know whatever you want to get rid of things and for 15 bucks the best money i've ever spent other than the $20 a month for chat GPT-4. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for our show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, on the Legal Talk Network site, or within your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to get in touch with us, remember you can always reach out to us on LinkedIn or we still love getting voicemails. We were thrilled to get one a couple of weeks ago. We'd love to get another one soon that we can feature on our podcast. That number to call us is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. As always, a big thank you to the Legal Talk Network team for producing and distributing this podcast. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.